Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at B1Bank.com. From Mansour's on the Boulevard, we're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In today's high-tech world, we're increasingly isolated from one another, and yet, in some ways, it's easier than ever to make connections. Today, we have two guests who are helping us connect, one through an app that brings people together, the other through an organization that helps startup businesses connect and find synergies that can help them thrive and grow. My first guest is Alana Dixon. She's the co-creator of a mobile app called Redo, which enables its users to connect with someone they've actually seen and might like to meet. It's like a mobile dating website, but instead of browsing through bios and pictures of strangers, you're searching for a guy or a girl you've actually spotted in an elevator or walking across campus or at the gym. And if that person has the app too, and here's the key to success, then you're able to find them and make contact. Alana and her mom, Marcel, created the app after one such missed opportunity. They rolled out the product earlier this year. A first-time venture for a stay-at-home mom and a recent college graduate. It is just the coolest idea in the world, and we look forward to having you explain you. it to us. Thanks so much, Alana. My next guest helps local entrepreneurs like the Dixons turn their great ideas into products and bring them to market by helping them meet other entrepreneurs and even potential investors. His name is Matthew Wiggins, and he is one of the Baton Rouge organizers of One Million Cups, a national nonprofit organization that was designed to educate, engage, and connect entrepreneurs. The group meets every month to hear a presentation from one or two startups. The rest of the time, Matthew is a consultant with the Louisiana Business and Technology Center, where he is managing a new prototyping center called Protostripes. Matthew, we look forward to hearing about what you're up to. Thanks for being here. Well, Alana, I want to start with you because I have to hear the story about Redo. And this came about because you and your mom were together in Barnes & Noble. Yes, ma'am. Your mom noticed this guy checking you out. Nothing <laughs> ever came of it, but she realized this was a missed opportunity. And wouldn't it be great if there was some way to get in contact with him? Exactly. What happened next? Um, well, we when we exited Barnes & Noble, she like you said, said, wouldn't it be great if you could just go back later and find him? Because it's just crazy how often that happens, you know? Like, you see people places all the time and I you just can't I guess if you're like 24 and young and cute, it happens often, right? <laughs> <laughs> I well, think it used to happen. I can't remember. Oh, I'm sure it still does. Um, <laughs> but anyway, and I don't know. I, you know, she said the idea and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And then like a week later, she just comes with all this research at me and she's like, hey, I think we should make an app. That would be great. And we just started thinking of names, contacting designers, coders, having focus groups, doing our research, and it's been a process. It took almost two years, but it's been really cool, and I don't know, just as soon as we got started, everyone loved the idea. We're super proud of it. Now, there are similar products out there. What makes Redo right. different? The difference with Redo is some apps, they 
you can do the same thing, like geographically, find people in your area to, you know, chat with or that you might be interested in. But instead of swiping through people or anything like that, this actually is a lot more personal, or we think it is, because you've seen this person before. You've felt a connection already, and you're both looking for each other. It's highly personalized, which makes it a little bit harder to, you know, catch on because you do have to both have the app and be looking for each other. But that's what makes it different. It's so personal. So how is that different from Craigslist, missed opportunities? It's basically the same thing, but for the 21st century. So, so what does that mean? Um, well, Craigslist missed opportunities is kind of like people used to go on and say, from what I know, they used to say, I uh, saw a girl at Barnes & Noble with blue shirt and drinky coffee around 2 o'clock Monday, um, interested, and stuff like that. You would give descriptions. Ours, you actually put in the location and time frame, so Barnes & Noble, and then the date, and it'll do a 24-hour radius, so you wouldn't have to pick 2 o'clock and pray that they pick 2 o'clock also. <laughs> it's just um, a radius of time and the location, and if they go in and enter the same data, you've both done a redo, essentially, and then you look in the uh, results, and hopefully you can request each other. And so that's different than? Yes, because that's a little more, Craigslist was a little more like, hey, hopefully someone will bite and comment back and say, yeah, it was me. Uh, you know, this is more like match, I don't know, quick touch. Now, Matthew, um, if, if these ladies, the Dixons, came to you at, at one million cups and, and made this pitch, how do you think it would go over? And, and what, would, uh, what would you tell them as a, as a consultant? Um, first off, I think it would go over really well. Um, any company who's looking to do the mobile app business, it's really big. In fact, um, the research shows right now that mobile apps have some of the highest returns of any investments. A lot of companies are just trying to turn out as many as they can and, and really progress them. Um, with One Million Cups, I think it'd go great, because One Million Cups is about getting the community involved in your business. So what would happen is, is when they would pitch, they would have 40, 50, 60, um, we've had as many as 80 members of the community come out and talk, and they would ask you questions about your app, maybe different things you could do. They would offer suggestions, and then you would be able to go forth and maybe take some of those and maybe say, uh, I want to do it this way. But at the end of the day, you would go forward and have some really good suggestions on different things that you could do. Okay, so you're going to book her for your next meeting, and I want to <laughs> cut, right, right. for the yep. finder's fee or something. Uh, you all meet <laughs> monthly, Matthew, mm -hmm. and uh, has there been any shortage of, of presenters, or are they banging the door down to come share their ideas? Um, we, we've had a steady stream. I won't say that we're ever, like, full, but um, we've, we've had a steady stream. A and are, are the One Million Cups meetings like pitch nights where investors come, or is it more just entrepreneurs like the Dixons sharing their ideas? Um, it's about half and half. It is not as formal as a pitch night, um, and that's by design. It's supposed to be more of a conversation between the community and the entrepreneur. At the same time, we have a lot of investors that attend. I, in fact, I counted last meeting, we had 12 angel investors that showed up to hear these people pitch. And the beauty of it is, is that the investors sit in the back of the room, and if they're like, oh, this isn't for me, then they don't talk to them. But if it is, then they get the opportunity to meet in a more casual environment than a pitch night where everybody is trying to win $25,000 or 250000 for the big brew win this month. And it probably makes the presenters a lot more relaxed. It, it does, and it's a lot more informal. So unlike a Shark Tank or an invest, investor pitch, the community and the people in the audience actually ask the questions and answer. And the great thing is, is at the end, 
there's always a question called, what can we as a community do for you? Where the entrepreneur gets the chance to go out and task people of the community to help them, whether it's download their app or <clears throat> work with them or help them get into Exxon. We had one guy ask for that and somebody said, oh, my f neighbor is the plant manager at Exxon. I'll help you. Wow. So, Alana, tell me, um, have you all gotten investors yet to to invest in, in Redo or are you not yet to that stage? We've had a couple of offers, but they were really early on and we weren't sure exactly, you know, where it was going and how it was going to do. We weren't launched yet when we got these offers, so we kind of stayed away from it. And I mean, these are our friends, some just like <laughs> successful people who are friends um, and they made great offers. but. Yeah, for right now, we've just kind of stayed away from that until we're making more of a profit. So where are you right now? Where is the is the product? It's up and running. You, you can yes, download it if you have an Apple phone. Yes, ma'am. Off of the Apple, it's an Apple app. Right. Uh, can other phones get it? Well, we're hoping to get it on Android as soon as we can. It's just the financial, I mean, my parents have never done anything like this. And uh, I just, she's a stay-at-home mom and my dad's an arborist, so we're not endless funds but as soon as we can and as soon as we have the money we would definitely love to get on android because we've had a lot of android users you know ask him when will it be on so, google play so who's doing the tech work for you and the advising and the coding um we have a guy named luke he's a local from prairieville just like us and uh he's a dad with a daughter who he would never let on our dating app, <laughs> but he's super nice and um, he's never done a social app before, so it's been a learning process for all three of us, but he's sure. really hands-on and he's really nice, so and, glad and to have him. How many people are using the app at this point, do, do we know? Um, last time we checked, it was between two and 300, so I mean, and that wow. doesn't sound like a ton, and it is kind of hard to get people to download because you both have to be looking for each other, like I said, so it's... A little rough, and you know, to get anyone to look up from their other apps they're using to go download another one, it's a little difficult. But um, we've been proud of the response. We're happy. That's great. And they're mostly people in this area, or yes, are they all over? Uh, mostly in this area, yes. And we've actually seen a few people try to do redos at different apartment complexes by LSU and stuff like that, and that's been really cool. So how how does the app make money? What's the financial model? Um, we use ads. You can opt out of the ads for two ninety nine. Or the other way we make money is you get one free redo per day. But if you want any additional, you have to pay 99 cents per additional redo. So say you went to Barnes & Noble in the morning and you saw someone did your redo, but later at night you're at the bar, you see another one, you're like, I got to talk to this girl, then you can pay 99 cents to talk to her or try to. <laughs> have y'all heard yet of any successful redos? Um, do you have any stories? I wish we did, but we don't so far. And Lord knows I've tried, but <laughs> <laughs> um, no, not so far, but I'm confident that we will soon. It's early. Yes, ma'am. Matthew, how many apps do you know of in this area that, that people are working on? And I mean, there, there are so many apps today. There. And it's hard to, to break in, right? Mm -hmm. I mean. It's all about apps. I, I would say that right now today, we're, I've personally worked with probably 20 to 30 apps in the last year and a half. And wow. Just coming out of Baton Rouge. Coming out of Baton Rouge. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere. You know, we have great people like out at the tech park who are doing great apps, and, and they're, they're really launching. Um, you know, acquiring users is the, is the big key to a successful app, and it's the hardest thing. And it, it costs money. You, it, it's all about getting good, a lot of good press releases out. Now, you were talking 
Alana, about how the app is different than some of the other products out there and, and Craigslist. Do you have a patent on it or? Uh, we do, patented and trademarked. So patented and trademarked. The idea, everything, yes. Now, is that the way to go, Matthew, to, to patent an, an app? Can you patent an app? I mean, obviously um, you can, but. Yeah, some people are patenting software. Um, it's getting more difficult to do every day, and um, it's getting more restrictive on what's patentable. A lot of people are going on trademarks and first mover market right now um, is what we're seeing the large majority of people do. Uh, what's first mover to market? That means what that you just mean? get out there and you market it and you, be the Uber before anybody else can be Uber, and you just get out there first. How does first mover to market protect you legally? <coughs> it doesn't, and yeah. that's the thing. It's a risk, but it's about prove. And you know, there's there's this big theory right now: fail, fail fast. And so, what we see a lot of people do is is that they'll do a provisional patent, mm -hmm. which gives you a one year lifespan if they are going to do a patent, and then they'll move and they'll just go really fast, try and spend all of their marketing and time on marketing, and promote their business. And and if it works, it works, and if it doesn't, they move on to the next product. It's called failed fast. Interesting. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Stephanie Regal. My guests today are Matthew Wiggins of One Million Cups and Alana Dixon of Redo. Now, what are you all doing, Alana, to market your app? How are you getting the word out there? Um, well, we use social media a lot. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, of course. Um, we've done flyers that we've done mail flyers. We've put some on campus recently. Uh, well, actually, this past Sunday, just in chalk around LSU, because when I went to LSU, I used to see things advertised in chalk, which you know, super easy, chalk super cheap. on the sidewalk? Yes, ma'am, just oh, all over this. campus. <laughs> yeah, and we've uh, gone from super high tech to just the basics. So. Exactly, like guerrilla marketing, super cheap, and we just went and we would sometimes just write redo sometimes we'd draw a big iphone and be like download redo on ios to see her again just like little messages and um since sunday we've had 13 new downloads that is so cool well that's 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 good to know matthew i want to change gears for a minute tell me a little bit about what you were doing at the lbtc and and proto stripes it's a new prototyping center that's come out of the business and technology center proto stripes is something i'm very fond of um First off, for, I've been for about the last decade working with entrepreneurs starting businesses. I've helped a lot of people start, grow, find financing. But through that time, I saw a huge need for companies who were making physical products. Somebody would come and they would have a nice little widget. They'd want to design something like an ink pen. Sure. And you would go to somebody and you would say, hey, how much is it for me to design this? And we would get quotes of ten fifteen twenty thousand dollars and we like there has to be a better way right. so um, I wrote a couple grants um, with Charlie D'Agostino's blessing our executive director and we got twenty five thousand dollars in funding we bought a big massive 3d printer then the next year we got another 25 and then we had an organization called the Delta Regional Authority give us a hundred thousand dollars now we have a hundred and seven thousand dollars worth of equipment sitting wow. in this room this is two 3d printers a CNC mill which will carve anything and then we have a laser cutter and whenever I it's just fun and we've helped make over a hundred and four prototypes for 42 different companies in no the last two years kidding that's very very impressive and, and y'all are able to do it for how much? I mean, if I came to you with my widget idea, uh, you know, how much would you charge me? Um, our average prototype is under $200. <gasps> 
The wow. most we've actually charged is under $500. We are using LSU students to get the cost down, um, engineering students, and we are doing this to make costs. And because our mission at the LBTC is to grow businesses and to help them grow. It's not to make profits on these sort of deals and not to run a company. So it's been very successful in that regards. Tell me something about 3D printing because I, the concept is just so fascinating. <laughs> I mean, what, what can you print on a 3D printer? The amazing thing is that you can print, well, in our case, we can print anything 8 inches by 8 inches by 8 <laughs> inches that we can imagine. Okay. It's, it's really only limited by your imagination. And you can print, like, inner working gears, and you can print anything. So you could, like, print something, and it just works automatically. And it's the greatest thing for us because it just takes it, and we can just do one-offs. And we can say, oh, this doesn't work, and we'll change this on it. And it's really allowed our, our guys that we work with to say, okay, I want this to change, and this to change. Whereas before, that would take four to six weeks. In us, in our cases, it takes four to six hours. Wow. So maybe printing is sort of a misnomer. It's, it's really like a, a manufacturing mm -hmm. component, right, that spits out your thing. Yes, it, it definitely is. It, it, it gives you something, and, I mean, these things are tough and rugged when they come out of our printers. They, you can throw them on the ground. They're, they're just as tough and rugged as the actual part in a lot of cases. But they don't have, like, electronic circuitry in them, per se. No, we, um, we haven't ventured into the electronic circuitry part of it. Um, we are working with companies to source a lot of those components are off the shelves, and if they do have to get custom, we do that. But we are mainly built on products and physical devices. Okay, well, we're going to switch gears for just a minute. I want to ask you each a question that might give us a little better insight into your personality. And, and, and I call this the time travel question because I think that the world can be divided into two types of people, right? Those that would travel back in time and those that would travel forward. <laughs> so tell me where you would go, forward or backward, what type of person you are, and, and what period you would travel to and why. I'll start with Alana. Okay. I would say I'd like to go back to the 70s just because I don't want to sound basic, but I mean, <laughs> they're just, they all look so cool. They all kind of believe, it's kind of the same, you know, social revolution that we're going through right now. A lot of kids my age believe in the same, you know, equality and rights and everything like that. And the style's just, you know, bomb. So <laughs> I don't know. I think I'd definitely love to go back to the 70s and, you know, go to Fleetwood Mac concert and just <laughs> chill out with round sunglasses. <laughs> I know that sounds boring. I feel like I wish I had a better answer, but that's what no, I would want. No, but I understand want. that because I'd <laughs> like to go back to a period not long before I was born because, you know, it's still it understand so close, it. But to yeah. be able to understand what things were like right before. Right. You know. What about you, Matthew? Oh, I'm going to the future. <laughs> I, 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 just I guessed think, that. I just I think that, figured. like, this is the deal. If you'd asked somebody in the 1960s or 50s what the biggest revolution of the of the next 100 years, nobody would have thought it's the Internet, which which really has. It's transformed the, our mm -hmm. everyday lives. Nobody would have, I mean, people would imagine things, but, I mean, if you just look at Star Trek, there's <laughs> never a situation where, there's, like, the Internet is, is even thought of. Yeah, you're right. And so... Going forward in the future, I think it's got to be that on a on a much bigger level. It's something we don't even know we need, whether it's driverless cars today or whatever it is. But I mean, I think the next ten years is all going to be about integration um, in the future. It's going to be about taking all of these devices we have and just coming down. So we're already at an iPhone or a smartphone, but I think that's just the beginning. I think we're going to be at a spot in the next ten to fifteen years where everything is integrated. All of our apps talk to each other. So Redo yeah. is going to be talking to this next app and this X app. And all of our software is just going to be one, like, almost homogeneous good that just 
controls all of our life, and then the robots will take over and we'll all die. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a sci-fi movie. What are some of the coolest apps or ideas or technologies that you've seen, either at One Million Cups or at Proto Stripes at LSU? This is always a tough question because I see so many. So I will tell you the coolest person I've worked with this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, his, his name is Dr. Boyce Clark. This is, a, um, this is an idea. He is a Ph.D. nuclear chemist, worked on at Oak Ridge National Laboratories on, nuclears, on nuclear devices. Wow. And yet, um, like any good Ph.D. chemist, he had a 12-year-old daughter who was crying at home because people were making fun of her curly hair. So... He actually went out and dropped his PhD in chemistry and started learning how to make straight hair products. Wow. And um, he presented Woman Cups, and he's got several investors on board, and his product is great. It's used by some of the top salons. It's, na it's, it's called Lubristi Labs, and he, he's just a special story, and it's one of the That benefits. is awesome, and he's making hair products. He's making hair products. He went from making nuclear devices to making hair products. <laughs> and he's selling them. He's doing oh, well. Yeah, he's growing by like 40% every month. He started in March, and he's grown at 40% month over month since then. No kidding. He's coming on the show. <laughs> Get his name. I, I was surprised to hear you say that there were 12 angel investors at your I mean a few years ago I don't know if there were 12 angel investors in the whole city much less all going to the same meeting you know yeah. at the library so yeah. that's encouraging Alana do you have do you work do you have a day job or is yes, this <laughs> this it full-time well it's this and then I have two other jobs um, one I work at Sammy's Grill just a waitress I've been doing that all throughout college and I've just stayed there and then I actually just got my first big girl job I guess <laughs> you'll call it um, I graduated in August and now I'm the marketing assistant for Izzo's and Lit Pizza so I do like their social media and then oh I that's great yeah and just administrative duties help kind of be a liaison with their ad agency just to make sure we're on the same page about capturing you know what we want so in a way there might be some synergies there between your your day jobs and and the app right you know a lot of a lot of opportunities there but it's hard for entrepreneurs to, you know, so many of them, they pour their heart and their soul into starting, you know, this business, but they have to support themselves. You know, sometimes they're working around the clock. Matthew, what kind of advice do you all give to people who have a great idea and want to start up? But, I mean, what are the most important things they have to do? Um, I mean, I always have a th three-part checklist. First off is, is the most important thing is you've got to talk to your customers. You've got to build something that you know is needed, not something you think is needed. The second thing is is that you have to know your numbers. Um, I work with some food businesses, and three and four cents can be the number between failure and and success. And three and four cents, really? Oh, it's those margins. If you're going to a, if you're making a like this beautiful redfish, and you're selling it into the into a retail store, I mean it's razor thin because if you make something for two bucks you got a distributor who's going to charge 25 percent on that mm -hmm. then you got the retailer who's going to charge another 35 percent you got to almost be able to triple the cost of goods sold just to have a profitable company wow and those are those are three of the things that i really hit home on and oh the third one is if you build it, they will come. You know, we've all seen Field of Dreams and Kevin Costner, and that's just not true. It's not it's, true. <laughs> it's not true. He he might know what he's talking about for um, old people coming back from a baseball field, <laughs> but in the world of entrepreneurship and starting up, it's all about marketing. It's all about how much does it cost for me to acquire my next cost, customer? Because it costs. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is, it costs. And 
word of mouth is not a marketing tool. It's got to be going out on the sidewalk and writing down stuff. It's got to be stuff that really helps you get into the market. Does it have to be high tech marketing or like Alana alluded to the guerrilla marketing and the chalk on the sidewalk? No. Or I don't a combination of both. I don't, I don't think it does have to be high tech. Um, I've met with the CEO of Nextdoor. Have you ever heard of the Nextdoor mm -hmm. app? Sure. It's where neighbors complain about what their other neighbors are right. doing all the time. Um, and he said that to start his company, which is a very successful high-tech company, he actually went from door to door in his neighborhood asking people to download it. And he did this for like two years. And he hired wow. teams. That's and he great. said that was the only way it worked. And he said it wasn't high-tech. And we knew it wasn't scalable at that point. But once it started gathering steam and people started moving out of their neighborhoods and going to the next ones, it really blew up. And so I think that some of the best marketing schemes are non-digital, especially in the beginning. I'm glad to hear you say that because I like the old-fashioned way. Speaking of scalable, what do you all hope to, to accomplish with Redo? What is the what is the long-term strategy? And is there an exit strategy? Are you looking to sell it to, uh, to Google or um, Snapchat? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I mean, we haven't considered that a lot. I mean, we are limited funds, so sometimes it would be nice if someone who had more funds to market it, you know, might be able to help us out, or I don't know if we've decided about selling the idea or anything like that, but um, I mean, our end result that we're hoping for is just to help people meet, you know, it's just, it's not, we're not just in it for money or anything like that, we just want people to be able to connect and, I don't know, it's just so hard to go up to people sometimes, especially in this digital age where everyone's glued to their phone and no one wants to talk to each other anyway, but you know, sometimes you see someone and we just want to bring people together. That's very nice. Y'all have very interesting stories to tell. Please keep them coming. We'll write about them in the business report and we'll put them on the radio because we're all about the entrepreneurial community. So Matthew Wiggins and Alana Dixon, it's, it's great to hear your stories and your attempts to help build exciting things right here in Baton Rouge. Too often we don't give ourselves enough credit. So Thank thanks you. for joining Thank me thanks on for Out to Lunch today. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Alana Dixon of Redo and Matthew Wiggins of One Million Cups. You can find out more about Redo and A Million Cups by following the links on our websites. It's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's is open for lunch daily from 11 to 2, for dinner nightly, and for brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti. And our Baton Rouge business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. Support on today's show comes from Dig Magazine. Dig's free monthly magazine uncovers the unique individuals, businesses, and entertainment in the capital area. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. All the music on Out to Lunch is composed and performed by Mitchell Foreman. You can find more of Mitchell's music wherever great jazz is streamed or sold and at mitchellforeman.com. You can get this show as a podcast, you can listen to past shows, and you can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, it's batonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansur's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S.
providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum at b1bank.com.